0: Well, welcome to KISS, a series where we're saying that the best thing that we can do for ourselves and for others when it comes to faith is to keep it simple, stupid. That's where we come with the, the moniker of KISS. Um, we, we've said it this way from the very get-go when we started this. We're, we're basing it off of this premise, that religion can be complicated, that while religion can be complicated, following God is actually very simple. Or at least it should be. It can be simple. That, that while religion and, and Christianity falls under this category of religion, and sometimes Christianity can be the most complicated, it, while religion is sometimes complicated, following God is actually quite simple. And in order to keep it simple, what, what we've done through this series is we've simply given you one bit of homework, we want you throughout the whole entire course of the series as much as possible to ask this simple one question read it with me what does love require of me to in your interactions with your family your coworkers with people you don't know with strangers that 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 you're constantly asking the question what does love require of me and we decided that, that if we did that all the time, we would be pretty good Christians <laughs> if we call ourselves, if you call yourself a Christian, if, that, if you just simply kept this, this, uh, this question in front of you, um, your faith would be a very sincere faith. And I, I don't know about you, but I have been asking, I actually practice what I preach or try to, and I've been asking this question, and it's been getting me into trouble. It's, been like it's, 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 it's an easy question, right? But it's, it's a simple question, but it's not easy at all. Because the answer sometimes is, i got to get out of bed. Earlier than I thought I wanted to. I, I, have, to, you know, I have to jump in. I, there's more dishes to be done when you start to look at this. And, and we're talking about that not just in our lives with our families, but what does what asking this question mean when it comes to expressing our faith? Um, last time we were together, um, there was this the reason we believe that, that it's just that simple is because of Jesus' teachings. Uh, Jesus very simply said, you know, what if somebody asked Jesus once, what is the, the, the key commandment? What is the greatest commandment of them all? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God. Some of you are familiar with this. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. What does love require of me? It's just that simple. Last time when we were together, we looked at a, a, another passage where Jesus was talking to his followers. And he said, hey guys, listen, th- when I look at you, this is what I see. He says, uh, you, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And we had this up here last time. And then he, he talked about how um, salt can lose its saltiness. That light can actually be covered up. And we said last time that a lot of times what happens in religion, when we, if we're not careful, is we put all of this stuff onto our faith what it means to be a christian is you date a certain way and you go to church this amount of time and you have this many bibles and you vote a certain way and you definitely don't date girls that are like this you like and, and what happens is is if we're not careful the expression of our faith gets very confounded very complex and what happens to our light by the way this is not a light that gets hot so we're not going to have a fire emergency here in a second and if you're listening online or on the podcast i have a light lamp here with a cloths over it putting cloths and layers over it cuz that's what happens if we're not careful if we don't this is what happens when we don't keep it simple is we start to create layers that become associated with The Christian faith, and and, and honestly, we've got so much. We talked about swag last time. We've got we got as Christians, we have so much swag stuff we all get when we become Christians. We have Christian conferences, Christian jargon, Christian radio, Christian mingle, Christian schools, Christian stickers, Christian jewelry, Christian apps. We could go on and on and on. And I said this last time, the point was not to pick on anybody's swag. I wasn't trying to pick on the things that you do to express your faith as a Christian. I wasn't even trying. To, the, the purpose of last time wasn't to get rid of your swag. It wasn't like, how dare you have all the swag? Get rid of it. Honestly, all we wanted to look at last time was be careful with your swag. Because when our swag becomes louder than our love, it hurts our light. And we have to be very careful about that. If you call yourself a Christian, Say, I'm a follower of Christ. We have to be careful with the stuff we all get because it can hurt our light. When Christianity becomes synonymous with political views, bad things happen. When, when, When faith becomes confused with a set of behaviors, this is what you do. You go to church and it becomes boiled down to just that. When, when, it, um, when church becomes associated with simply just a building or an event, the light is lost. And what happens when th- those kind of things happen is the church and our faith becomes resistible. And it was never meant to be. It was supposed to be irresistible. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Last time we were together, we talked about what happens when we don't keep it simple, and today we're going to talk about what happens when we do, like what good things happen when we do cho- choose to peel back the layers. Yes, these things have meaning to me, but I will be careful on how I use them, how I flaunt them, how, because I know that I don't want people to think that's what my faith is about. I want them to th- know that my faith is about love. So this week, we're going to talk about what happens when we do, and the reason I'm really excited about this, Jake Dugweiler and I, uh, he was, he's Jake the, you might know him as Jake the Drummer, he and I just sit around and talk about this, and Jess will jump in sometimes, and she'll be like, hey, get to work, guys, and we're like, no, no, this is like, because we get so excited about this, because the, the reason we love a series like Kiss is this is, what, this is the kind of church we want to be when we grow up. We want to be the kind of church that is bold, uh, that, that is full of people that, that have, have bold and winsome faith. A faith that cuts back the layers so that light can shine. A faith of, the, of, of people that, that are salty. that people That bring flavor and preserve other people's lives. That's what we want to be. And so we get excited about it. And, this, and, and here's, here's how we know that this is possible to be a church that's a movement that can change the shape of a town is because there once was a time and throughout the, actually the course of Christian history there have been times and pockets of people who have turned the world upside down by simply loving. There once was a time and we're going to talk about the early church specifically the first couple hundred years of the, the, the Christian church this morning, there was a time where there was something so bold and so winsome about this group of people that it, that it took the world by storm. And they did it through love. And that's the kind of church that we want to be. And here's what's crazy about the early church is they didn't have much. In, in some senses, they, what their genius, we'll see this in a second, is they were able to keep it simple and keep it about love, and that's what made it grow. And part of the reason why they, had, they kept it simple is because they had to. It, I don't know if you know this, but it was actually illegal to be a Christian for like two, maybe three hundred years. Right at the beginning of Christianity, when, when, Christianity, was like, when Christianity was this little tiny flame that could have went, and it would have been out. That it was it was it was illegal to be a Christian. They were persecuted because of it, and yet it grew like gangbusters. And I think part of the reason why is they kept it simple. They just simply loved the people around them. And it changed things. They didn't have a building. They didn't have the Bible as we know it. They had the Torah, the Old Testament, they had a few sayings of Jesus. They had uh, a few sayings from the the the, um, the apostles because around that time the the apostles Peter John um, James paul they were writing letters to churches and saying hey stay with it hey i want to encourage you keep with the faith and and they would take those letters and be like you have a letter from peter can i have a you know can i copy that and they're like yes yeah, so i'll copy that and then they'll write it down and so they'd share that among so maybe during that time they had the, these little bits of scripture and they'd hold on to that and, and they meet in these they, they didn't have buildings they, they met in homes. Sometimes in, in secret, in private, and, you know, because if, if they got caught doing that, it could cost them a lot. And they'd, they'd read what they had, they didn't, knew the sayings of Jesus, and I, think that I was thinking about this a lot this week. I think the reason that this whole thing called Christianity even worked whatsoever is because the message of Christianity was so darn simple. Because it didn't matter, Catch this, I'm going to take you through a few verses, I'm such a geek, can I just say, like, when I just geeked out with the Bible this week. I just, full disclosure, this is who's leading you. And, and, and Jake and I sat around and just, can you look at this? I can't believe the Bible says this. And, and here's the thing. So, like, if, imagine an early church, you know, like, in, in the first century, the first hundred years, of, and they're meeting, they're like, oh, somebody has a, a letter that James, the brother of Jesus, wrote to some of his friends. You have that letter? Yeah, I have that letter. Bring it to, bring it to they wouldn't even call it church. I don't know what they would call it. Bring it to our house while we worship. And 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 unless read it together. And at the heart of it, that you would find if they had, if, if the the that church had James, they would see verses like this. If you really want to keep the royal law found in scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. If you really keep the royal law found in scriptures, if you, find, you know, if you really keep this one law, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. You could also say, like, you're doing all right. Like, like it's all about, like, if you really, like, yeah, James had a lot to say about trials and persecution and hang in there, but he's like, if you really keep the royal law found in scriptures, if you keep this one law, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing pretty good. In 1 Peter, it says this, this is 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, as if th- you know, like, as if this is like what really matters, guys. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Isn't that good? Love each other deeply. Why? Because if you love each other, God will love you more, right? No, that's not possible. He 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 loves you more than you can ever imagine already. But it's true, isn't it? Like like we we don't we don't we're not forgiven of our sins because we love. We're forgiven of our sins because of Jesus. But it's true that when we love each other, it covers over a multitude of sins, doesn't it? If I tell a lie to you, break that trust, and then I say, but you know what? I and I come to you in love and I say, forgive me, brother, forgive me, sister, for I'm sorry. And then I love you. According, like that that, will, that can, over time can cover up that sin. And that's what Peter's saying here. Above all, love. Let's go to the next one. 1 John. By the way, if you want to talk, talk about love, read First John. I think it appears 27 times and it's not that long of a letter. I could have used any number of passages from 1 John. And, first, and John says this, And this is his command, his being God to believe in the, in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to, say it with me, love one another as He commanded us. This is, this is what it's about. This is what He commanded to do. Believe, have faith, and then love. Love. You guys, you, I, could do, I could bore you to tears. You would be hungry and tired and hangry by the time I'd be done with how many verses there are in the New Testament that just boil it straight down to it's all above, about love. Above all, love each other deeply. And again, let's circle back. That's why I think Christianity worked. Without a Bible, without conferences, without websites, with all, all the stuff that we have, good stuff, don't hear me wrong, the reason that it worked, the reason why it, it, to, it, just, it, it just grew like wildfire in the first century is because its message was so simple and its recipients simply took it to heart and loved. And it, everywhere they looked, if they, had, if they had any writings at all from the New Testament writers, it probably said something about love. And so they went out, and they're like, all I know is I'm forgiven, God loves me, and I'm supposed to love other people. God loves me, I'm forgiven, and I should probably love other people. And it took the world by storm. I want us to look at one passage in Galatians, and before you put it up there, a little bit of background this is uh, written by the Apostle Paul. Paul talked a ton about love. And if you know the backstory of Paul, he was an interesting, he's interesting for a couple reasons. He's interesting for, for one thing, he hated Christians, and then he ended up writing 13 books in the New Testament. So that, that part's interesting. and We'll probably do a series on him sometime because he's that interesting of a guy. He's also interesting because he, um, he, embodied, he was a Pharisee. He embodied the law. And for years and years and years, he, you know, if, if, if you were to boil down what his faith was about, it, not only did his faith have a lot of layers, his faith was about the layers. This is what it means to come close to God. You do these things, you do you keep these laws, you keep these rules. And then he had an encounter with Jesus that didn't go so well. And, and Jesus said, hey, that you're, you're dead wrong. And, and, and here's, here's the truth. And, and what happened was, Paul, over time, went from this very layered person to just, to, you know, no, 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 no. It's not about Sabbath law. It's not about keeping this. It's not about ceremonial cleanliness. It's not about, it's all about, and, he, and he constantly in his letters to his friends, he's saying, keep it simple, stupid. In the book of Galatians, or the letter to the, to, to the Christians in Galatia, he is fired up mad. In fact, if you think the Bible is boring, you really need to read this book. Because this book, I mean, P- Paul at this point is, is, I mean, he is downright salty to, to uh, the people he's writing to. He talks about getting in the face of Peter. He's like, yeah, I yelled at Peter over this issue because there's an issue going on about um, circumcision. And, and people, there's a group called the Judaizers that were coming in and they were saying, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you need to be circumcised. Actually, like, honestly, and that's not one layer. If you're a dude, that's like a black lead cloth <laughs> going over your life. You'd be like, I don't know about that. So there's, they, they held other things, but mainly, like they're saying, in order to be a Christian, you know, if you need to come under the Jewish law and believe in Jesus Christ. And Paul was not having that. As a guy who once had all these layers, and then through the grace of Jesus, he, he, he was able to receive forgiveness. And he's like, no. And he fought tooth and nail against it to the point where he's yelling at Peter. You know? And if, you're like, if you grew up Catholic, Peter's like the first pope. Paul yelled at him. You know, Peter was an important guy. And, and Paul yelled at him over this issue of circumcision. He goes as far as to say at one point in time in Galatians, he's like, he's like you know those, the, the people of the circumcision group? He's like, I wish they'd go the rest of the way and cut, the, cut it all off. I'm not going to expound on that. <laughs> Literally, he says, you know, I-, I wish they'd go and emasculate themselves, because then we would get rid of them. He is that serious about keeping it simple, stupid. And he says this in Galatians, and this, this could be the key verse for this whole series. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. And then he says this: the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Guys, 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 guys! I know you think this and that. The only thing that matters is faith. Being expressed through the act of love. The only thing that matters is faith. That you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that that He died for your sins and you're forgiven because of it. And because of that, you are okay with God and you can just go in love now. And that's how you express your faith. You don't do it through bracelets. You You don't do it just through bracelets and bumper stickers and Christian memes. And you're know, like things on faith. You're know, like love. You can do all that, but make sure it's not louder than your love. Faith expressing itself through love. What was incredible about the early church is that you know, throughout op- you know, it, despite opposition, they were able to grow. And they did it by loving, and, and, and they did it by, at that point in time in the Roman Empire, women did not have much status, and Christians gave women status. Children had less status than women, and, and, and Christians would take in the, the, the kids and the orphans that were just left out on the street for dead. They would take them in and take care of them. During times of, there's, there's all sorts of accounts where, uh, especially like in the, in the city of Rome, when plagues would come through. And, and literally, the pagan, the, um, the, the pagan um, leaders, like the, the, the leaders of the pagan religions, they were probably wealthy, and they saw what was coming, and they would flee. Guess who would stay? Christians. And they would take care of people as they're dying, as they're on their deathbed, and probably, in a lot of cases, they ended up getting it and dying themselves. And they did that because they asked the question, what does love require of me? My Savior was willing to die for me. I guess I'm willing to die for this stranger that I don't even know. And people took notice and they said, who does that? Who, wh- I, I don't know if I, I'm not sure what, what they believe. They do some weird stuff on the weekends. They have these gatherings. I don't quite get it, but I'd love to work for them. I, I, I know I don't maybe understand or I don't believe that Jesus was who they say he is. But I kind of hope my daughter marries one of them. There's something about them that was irresistible, not resistible. And yes, they had their expressions, but it never got in the way of their light. That's what happens when we do the same. That's the kind of church that we want to be. And and here's here's what happened is um by in you know, by about 300 somewhere around 300 AD literally almost half of the Roman Empire called themselves a Christian. And um Constantine, if you might be familiar th- with this from history, he's like, "Guys, I don't think we should make this illegal anymore. I think we're, you know, kicking against the goads here. Let's let's" and he actually, you know, maybe had a conversion experience and made Christianity, the official religion of the Roman Empire. All because of love. That's the kind of church we want to be. We want to be the kind of church that has influence. We want to be the type of people who not just love, but love boldly. We want to be the kind of people who have not just faith, but winsome faith. That people are drawn to it and won over by it. Here's the reality check. Americans are migrating away from religion at an unprecedented rate. And especially Christianity. That's not just, that's all religions. Religion in general is being rejected in droves by people in this country. And Christianity is not, in particular, is suffering a lot. There's more and more people checking the box on the unaffiliated you know, like in the polls, there's more and more people saying, yeah, I'm not sure I believe there is a God. And here's maybe what's most alarming and maybe what's changed maybe even in my lifetime is religion instead of being a source of place where you can learn and, and maybe get support and help and that looking at religion that way. more There's more and more Americans saying, not, not only do I not like, or not only am I... In, not religious, I think religion is dangerous. I, I think religion, not only is religion a problem, part of the problem, it is the problem. This happened after 9-11 um, with, with, with uh, Islamic terrorism and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and it's not just, and the revolt was not just against Muslim and I'm not picking on the Muslim faith at all. I mean, Christians have had their own dark side, (laughs) and because of that, there was a people have rejected Christian all all forms of faith, all religions, saying no. That not only is that um, part of the problem, it is maybe even the major, the the uh, the majority of the problem is religion itself. Um, On top of that, you've got young people leaving the church in droves. There's a lot of statistics out there about what happens when kids turn 18 and they have the choice to not not go to church or go to church. And a lot, most of them choose not to. And I'm going to say something. This is my personal opinion. You might not agree with this. But here's why I believe young people are leaving the church. Because they've been to church. and it wasn't worth staying at the church. See, when I, this criticism is actually pointing a finger at me and people like me, church leaders. I think the church has made some fatal errors recently. The church, there isn't something about the church that keeps young people around this. I don't think this is something, we, one of those things that we can blame millennials for. <laughs> I think it's our fault. Uh, do you know do you know why so many people I, again this is my opinion I think do you know why people are resisting Christianity? It's because they've known too many Christians. Th- and they say if that's what it means to be a Christian, if that, you know, this and that and this and that's not working, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm out. We got to do something about that because w- here's what th- I talked about this last week that there's a polarization in our nation right now. As, as the people of faith grow deeper in faith and we are and we should and it's good, the people outside of faith are distancing, distancing themselves from faith. And we got to do something about that. I think it's actually sim- symptomatic the reasons that this is happening. And the thing is is now because of this polarization you run into more and more people outside of the church that that's it's not that it's like they're not like Jesus who? I've never heard of Jesus. And it's like no 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 like like they, they know who G-Bus is. They they just don't believe in him. <laughs> they they know they they know the stories. They just don't of the Bible. They just don't believe it's true. And now it's our turn to do something about that. I think what's symptomatic right now, this polarization is symptomatic not of an evil generation, but of a really weak and anemic church. And the result is our swag has become louder than our love and the result of that is Now there's 10,000 plus people in our tiny little town who aren't in church this morning. Um, We're a group of people that want to do something about that. We're a group of people that that want to, and our plan is pretty simple. (laughs) We want to express our faith through love. We want to love, yeah, we'll have our swag, we'll have their songs, we'll have, uh, please don't hear me wrong, I'm not picking on our stuff, it's good stuff, as long as it's not louder than our love. If if it enhances the way we love, it's great stuff. But we want to be a group of people who express our faith through love. Um... And here's, here's how we, we want to do this in the future. Here's, here's how you can do this in the future. Um, I was thinking about this week, some of the things that we can do. We need to grow in sensitivity. In light of this polarization, we need to be people who grow in sensitivity for people who are outside the church. Recognizing that not everybody uh, has the same viewpoint on church as us, not recognizing that for a lot of people, church is synonymous with legalism, with hypocrisy, with intolerance, with divisiveness, with scandal, that's what they think of when they think of church, which breaks my heart because growing up in the church, church was this sweet, unbelievable place. That's not the case. And so we need to be people who grow in sensitivity for the skeptic and the de-churched. We need to recognize that, mo- and we got to recognize that most of the time, if their story was ours, we would be in the same place. We would resist it as well. Another thing that we can do is... Um, we need, to have, we need to increase the amount of sincere conversations with, with people outside of what we believe. We need to increase that, which means we need to know them. We can't live in a bubble. We can't you know, hang out with each other all the time. We need to know people outside of faith and, and earn the right to have a conversation for the purpose of just listening, simply hearing their story and not trying to, to, to challenge their doubts through apologetics. We need to have sincere conversation. And then the last thing, um, I want us to grow in sensitivity. I want us to increase the amount of sincere conversations we have. And then the last thing that I think that love requires of us to do is it requires us more and more to go to people rather than ask them to come here. It it requires, I think we need to get rid of the adage, if we build it, they will come. It's just not true for a, a huge segment of our population. It's just not true. And so we need to go to them, not ask them to come near to us. One of the ways that, that um, you c- we can do this, this leads me to an opportunity that we have in four weeks from today. On August 27th is our na- next Scatter Church. And for those of you who are new to us, we have Gather Church and then we have Scatter Church. We also have the most I'll call it sophisticated meeting system <laughs> in, in the town, actually. Um, we don't meet second Sundays uh, for now. That's going to change in 2018. Just from bandwidth and resources, that's w- w- what we can do. But um, we have gathered church first, third, and on a Sunday like this, fifth Sundays of the month. And on the fourth Sunday of the month, we do something called Scatter Church. And as I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Scatter Church is just simply the, the staff and, and some of our key volunteers sitting around and saying, okay, what does love require of us as a church? And then we go do that, and we partner with people, and we, you know, like we, we help refugee kids, and we, um, we clean up the neighborhood around us. We, um, we've done all sorts of different things in the last seven months. It's been awesome to do Scatter Church. This coming Scatter Church in August 27th, we need you. And I'm bringing it up now because we would like you to ask the question, what, do, what does love require of me based on who's around me? And so here's, here's what we're going to do. Um, Usher, if you can hand out those, those little slips of paper, um, that would be great. This is your invitation to join us on August 27th. What we want you to do between now and then is we want you to pray about the people around you especially the people who are outside the faith around you. And ask the question, what does love require of me? Do this with your families. Bring your kids into this, because here's what's going to happen. You come up with the idea, and we will fund it. What would you do with an hour and $100? Because, we, yes, we are a church that if you come to church on August 27th, we will give you money. We're not asking for it. Up to $100, we will fund your adventure of what you want to do to reach out and to love the people around you. And we encourage you to invite friends into this. If you've got a friend who just lost, like for instance, if there's a family that you know that just lost somebody, and you have a friend who knows that family as well, say, hey, come to church with me on August 27th. And let's, would you come and let's go surprise this family and just bring them food or bring, it's your idea, you do whatever you want, we will fund it, we will foot the bill. And on that slip is is details of how you get involved and how you can sign up to do that. We'll even help you, honestly, nothing would thrill us more as a staff is if you called us and said, hey, I got this, I know who I want to reach out to, not sure how, we'll help you brainstorm. We will encourage each other that way and spur one another on towards love and good deeds together. And together, we'll scatter church. We want you to do it in teams. And if, you're, if you, like, totally forget about this between now and then, just show up because we'll probably have teams that are going, like, Christmas caroling. We'll just get a group of people together and say, go Christmas carol and make people smile. Go scatter church that way. Yes, it's August, just so you know that you got the date right. So what if the church, what if we as individuals just simply ask the question, okay, yeah, I've got my stuff, I've got my Bibles, I've got you know, this and I love studying this and that and Bible studies and women's groups and small life group and I've got all this stuff. But in the end, I ask the question, what does love require of me? Because what matters is faith expressing itself through love love come with us it's gonna be a blast let me me say a prayer god thank you for your church for this idea that you said hey i I, i'm going to build this thing called the church and it's going to work it's going to take the the gates of hell on it's going to challenge hell and win and we get to be a part. Thank you, Lord, that it's just that simple. That we need to love, that that you have forgiven us. We don't have to worry about where we stand with you if we're in Christ. And we can just simply love others. Would you help us to do so? May you help, would you help this group of people become bold and winsome? Not for our, glory, not for that we grow, Lord, but for your name and for the love of others. Amen.